Hello and welcome to the third bonus episode of The Dive Down, a Magic the Gathering podcast for the casual spike, focused on the latest decks, trends, and strategies in Modern and Pioneer. My name is Stan here in Chicago, and with me on the line from Denver, Colorado, it's the international man of mystery, Shane Beeps. I'm not answering any of these questions. I'm just going to be silence. You all know how I, I hate to give my opinion on things. Very oblique. Also with us here in Chicago, reporter-in-chief for the Big Daddy Times, Dave Harburger. Uh, you can call me Scoop. Big Scoops. Big Scoops. Uh, man, I do love those Fritos Big Scoops. <laughs> Delicious. <laughs> Not a lie. Finally, our intrepid man in the field who will do whatever it takes to get the latest scoop, Zach Colham. I am deep in Kyrgyzstan right now with some nomads, learning a little bit about horse milking, and I'll let you know what I'm, what I'm on next week. We said it last month, and we'll say it again. Huge thanks to the patrons in the Dive Down Nation for helping us reach the stretch goal that allow for these bonus episodes. We appreciate each and every one of you, and every one of our listeners, every week. But today we're doing another mailbag episode. Over the past few months, we've received some really interesting and thought-provoking questions from our listeners, but we aren't always able to answer as many of them as we'd like. So today, we're giving over this episode to you, our amazing fans, listeners, and dare I say friends, compatriots, comrades. So many of you submitted questions through our Twitter, through our Patreon, through our Slack. Sometimes strangers would stop me on the train on my commute to work and say, Stanislav, answer this on the show. So we're going to start with our patron, Red, White, and Blue, who asks, How bad does your favorite deck have to be in the metagame to make you play something else? Well, I got to ask, I got to ask a follow-up here. Do you all have a favorite deck? I mean, I know Zach does. No. Why would you think that? <laughs> Stan, do you have a favorite deck? Kind of, but it's more like I have a favorite style of decks, which is Red-Blue. Oh, really? Snapcaster, Lightning Bolt decks. Yeah. So picking up Grixis Shadow is hard because that deck doesn't play any Lightning Bolts anymore. And likewise, playing Blue-White Control is really hard for me because that doesn't play any Lightning Bolts. But if I can, I prefer to play Blue-Red. I don't always do that, however. Same boat. You know that. Okay, so how bad does like an it style of deck or a Snap Bolt deck have to be for you to play something else like when you go to the LGS? What's an LGS? If I, <laughs> yeah. if my win rate is less than 50%, or if I expect my average win rate to be less than 50%, I want to play another deck. Like, if I can't, if I can't go 2-2 on a most basic day, what the heck am I doing over here? What the heck are you doing, Zach, I'm besides losing? Holding my cat and wishing I was different. Wishing you were a cat? Oh, well, that's for later. So maybe you all know my history, but um, my favorite deck has to be banned in order for me to not to not play it anymore. <laughs> what does it take? It takes me it takes it being an illegal deck submission for me to not bring it exactly. anymore. I, I you know I spent a lot of time with Phoenix in the last year of all varieties. I spent some time playing Hogak. I uh, I used to play Splinter Twin, so uh, I'll, I play them until they get banned, and then otherwise I stick with um, Bolt snapcaster decks like stan said i think i'm pretty quick to to drop a deck like i don't think i really have a, a favorite deck 
because it's not really my style. It's not really my style to have a favorite deck. I just like playing different things and buying new cards. But I think a deck has to have its legs cut off from under it and be pretty Brutal. obvious. Like I mean, like something like Dredge, right? Which is like I'm not. I don't really see myself picking up Dredge again because it's 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 not doing so hot. Wait, wait, Dave, you have this is you like say. every every three yeah. weeks. You're like, I'm going to play Dredge for the next month, and then you're like, I'm never going to pick it up again, and then I'm, I'm going to play it, and then I'm not. Uh, listeners, the date is November 25th, the year of our Lord 2019. Please check Shane in December when he buys Foil Dredge. Seriously. Okay, well, here's the thing. Well, okay, if I played like a league a night, or even like you know four leagues a week. Then yeah, I'd mix things up a little bit more, and I'd be like, "Oh, how does Dredge feel right now?" But with the time I have to play, I'm not going to circle back to Dredge right now because I don't think it's that great. My threshold for switching decks is pretty low. I for me, it's more of like an attention span issue, and I will put down a deck even if it is perfectly fine because I either get bored with it or I don't feel very good with it. Um, like. Is it Phoenix was my go-to deck while it was modern legal for high-level tournaments, but I would rarely play it at the LGS just because I would have rather try new stuff. And sometimes I'll like take a deck to the LGS. This happened with uh, Jeskai Stoneforge. I took it to the LGS. I think I went like three-one. Maybe I went four-zero. I did very well with it, and then I never played it again just because I got kind of bored. So for me, it's less to do with power level and more to do with like what catches my eye on a given week. This next one's from listener John N., who asks, How have your paper groups changed with Pioneer? Have people started leaving Modern to play Pioneer instead? If so, do you think it will continue, and how will it affect you in the future? I would say based on when we all went to Dice Dojo last week, looked the same to me. Yeah. yeah. Looked thriving. Yeah, personally, I feel like no one has left modern. There are people who have begun playing both, but there isn't anybody who has gone, I'm done with modern. I'm going to pioneer. Like I complained in episode 50 about how I don't really love modern right now, but I'm still playing it. I'm still buying cards and sleeving things up. And I'm also loving pioneer. So I felt more, it was people playing modern liked pioneer and people who wanted to play modern, but couldn't are playing pioneer. So personally, in my meta and in my life, I don't feel like there's been any sort of schism or rift, and there's just a whole new community to interact with. Yeah, Zach and I play in the same LGS, so I literally had the exact same experience. I mean, this kind of skirts around the question, but when Pioneer first came out, there was a couple weeks where I just stopped caring about Modern entirely. But I will say now, it's what, been like five weeks or so? My appetite for Modern is as high as as it's ever been, I'm still trying to get to the LGS to play modern whenever I can. I'm still playing modern MTGO. My relationship with the format has changed a little and that I'm a little bit more interested in like brewing these days. <gasps> um, I don't know what that has to do with pioneer or the format in general, but at least in Chicago, as far as I can see, like modern is still pretty healthy and junt players especially seem to be having a ball. <laughs> it's a real springtime of junt this yeah. winter. Yeah, it's killing me. Yeah. I, I, I will say, though, I feel that the Slack is a little bit more active in the Pioneer channel. The I feel like people aren't talking about Modern quite as much. I mean, there was a GP this weekend with 
uh, CFB doing tweets and information dumps, and we weren't having quite as much conversation as you might normally, and the Pioneer channel is a little bit more popular. I don't know what that really says about kind of you know, our paper groups, but it is our community of players that we interact more with, with more often. Yeah, I mean, the Slack is basically my paper group at this point. I mean, you guys and the people on the Slack are the people I talk to about playing Magic because I only play on Moto. So... um. I th- I don't think this is going to continue forever, though, to be honest. I think no. it's going to be a trade back and forth. It's going to depend on what PTQ season is coming up. It's going to depend on what Grand Prix are coming up. And it's going to depend on what new cards come out that affect each of the formats. Because I do think they'll continue to have different cards that affect them in different ways for various yes. reasons. Yes. So. Also, I think it's really important to remember that... Watsi has a lot invested in making Pioneer succeed, and they're doing a lot of things to keep eyes on it. Mm-hmm. Like they're, this, this whole week has PTQs on Magic Online, and they Every know day. that you know they have they know that they have streamers Pioneer tournament it. qualifiers, essentially players tour qualifiers. This kind of gets into the next question, though, right? From uh, from Joe C, who we've we've mentioned a number of times. Uh, he's one of our longest standing patrons, and he asks, with Pioneer being the new hotness that we've been talking about, is the pod going to transition its focus, or are you just kind of getting out of your system? So, Joe, great question, and something that we've been asked in other places or discussed with people in person, and it's I think it's just important to have it be known, that I, while we enjoy Pioneer, I think we're just having fun with it and seeing if it sticks around or if we love it, and we're covering because we enjoy it right now, quite frankly. And if we find Pioneer to not be what we're into in the end or to not be what we're all loving, I think there'll be a discussion about what we're doing right now or what we're into. But as long as Pioneer is engaging and fun, I foresee us covering both as long as they're both fun to cover. Yeah, someone asked something similar to this on Reddit last week because we have had a couple of episodes that have you know, mentioned Pioneer or focused a little bit more on Pioneer. And what I said is I think that people would be more disappointed in the podcast if we weren't focused entirely on it. Like if we were talking only about modern and our attention was a little bit more on pioneer that week, or we were watching all these pioneer PTQs on magic online and looking at deck lists and, and seeing more happen there and more dynamic changes happening in the metagame and more bands happening. Like that's something that is designed to keep our eyes on it too. Right? So playing what we're paying attention to and podcasting about it is going to be a lot better than us forcing ourselves to talk about modern to you if we're not super invested in it for a week or two. Yeah. The thing that I would grow from here is I think it goes hand in hand with what I said to the previous question, which is just, I think it's going to be cyclical seasonal. I think there's a good chance we'll have a little bit of content about both, um, both formats, at least on every episode. And if we don't, like, for example, a recent episode, episode 50, had really no Pioneer content and was mostly modern. Um, Even the examples that we gave in the dive down were mostly modern. And I think it's just going to be a little bit of a natural back and forth there. And if you don't like Pioneer, if you're somebody who doesn't like Pioneer, it will slow down and it will become more of a normal part of the discussion. Right now, there's a lot of focus on it just because it's new, I think. Mm -hmm. For sure, Dave. Yeah, I guess I disagree with the premise that we're trying to get something out of our system. I mean, it's just what we're thinking about. And you know what? If we thought about Standard as often as we thought about Pioneer, 
we might talk about standard on this podcast too. Sure. But the case fact of the matter is we don't play standard. We play commander. <laughs> no. <laughs> we play commander. Oh, backdoor Ooh. pilot. Uh, for what we'll call it, we'll call it zone buddy ZBs. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck, guys. I I guess the main reason that people ask though, or that Joe and other people's asked this, is because we really positioned our brand to be, you know, we came out hot of the out of the gate saying we are a podcast about modern <laughs> for casual spikes, and you know. And I think that, like we said when Pioneer was announced, evolving towards covering it was very easy because a lot of the cards that are relevant in in Pioneer are somewhat relevant in Modern as well, or at least cards that are sort of near misses for Modern playability. So they're all cards that are on our radar. So it's really hard for us to not cover it because we're already familiar with the cards that are in the pool. So... Um, I don't think it's changing who we are fundamentally, but it's definitely additive, and that's that's what our hope is, is that any Pioneer coverage we do is additive to who we are. Is that fair? Totally. Moving on to a question from Joseph, not Joe C., a different Joe. There could be more than one. What are your guys' favorite deck archetypes, and how has that influenced your deck choices across old formats? Do you just play what's best at all time, or do you try to stick with what you like and what's more of your favorite archetype? So personally, I can say that I play big red mid-range if I can, and I enjoy that and want to play that. I literally am excited about Pioneer because all the fringy bad red cards that can't make it in Modern sure are making it in Pioneer. <laughs> so in general, if I can play a, med, a big red mid-range deck that's looking to disrupt early, play a goofy 3-drop or 4-drop and hopefully win with it, I'm going to try to play that deck. So typically, I like aggressive strategies. I like to be asking questions more than creating answers out of nothing sometimes. But I think that I've found sort of a nuance in that. And I like the newer disruptive aggressive strategies in things like humans and things like spirits, because I like being able to be responding what my opponent's doing or preventing my opponent from doing something while also getting the board full of creatures or using creatures now because creatures are spells to disrupt my opponent or remove a problematic permanent or something like that. So that's why I've, I've, I think I've gravitated towards things like spirits and humans recently, but I also think that they're a lot harder to play than some of just the classic aggressive decks that I have liked in the past, like affinity or burn. I like blue cards. I like cards that say counter target spell. I like cards that say draw a card. Sometimes I pair them with Lightning Bolt. Sometimes I pair them with Gurmog Angler. Sometimes I pair them with Stoneforge Mystic. I, I, I don't know what it says about me, but I just love saying <laughs> no to my opponent and feeling like I'm like preventing my opponents from playing Magic. Sometimes it makes it hard for me to play with some of my more casual friends. And as a result, I have to play like reconstructed <laughs> EDH strategies so that like I'm not a jerk. That's funny. I think uh, for me, my favorite archetypes, I have a lot of different ones. I think I kind of like stuff that's a little tricky, I guess is what I would say. And so part of that is me liking blue cards. Part of that's me liking creature combo decks here and there, whether that's like a Splinter Twin kind of thing or whether that's other bad versions of Splinter Twin. Part of that is me liking stuff like blue-white Flash in Pioneer, which I've enjoyed playing the last couple of weeks because I get to play at a speed that people don't expect and I, I have you know, that kind of disruptive, proactive creature thing that Shane was talking about. So I guess I like stuff that gives me a little bit of play and I'm sort of agnostic beyond that. 
And then sometimes I also just like to go fast. So I think I, I'm a little bit more all over the place. I will say there are decks that I just don't like to play. Yeah. And so even though I've done really well, like for our testing, um, I did really well with Eldrazi Tron. I felt like for me, like I had a 4-1 and I had some other kind of good results. I, I'm not really itching to go back to Eldrazi Tron right now, even though it's really good, just because I don't think I really enjoy that type of style. I do find myself getting surprised sometimes. Like when we did our Mono Red Prison deck dive, I had a blast playing that deck. And I think one of the reasons was, like Stan mentioned earlier, and I know Zach likes playing these types of decks, is it's it's a fun way to allow your to not allow your opponent to play magic. And it's kind of one of the reasons I like Tron sometimes is it's like getting that sequence of cards that you know is going to result in the game state that you want. And there's some of that in like a mono red prison where you're just like saying, I need to mulligan to this four mana turn two play. And that's a blast to do. You know what I think I've discovered about myself recently, and and maybe this has always been the case, but I've been more self-aware about it recently is that I'm more drawn to specific cards than specific strategies. And what I've kind of mentioned that like I've been brewing a little bit in modern lately, I think it's because I find these cards that I'm drawn to, usually they're newer printings and cards that I kind of just want to explore the technology and trying to find a strategy to build around them. So we had, we had, uh, uh, one of our Twitter followers at Daravid who actually asked us a question that really tails well into this, which is what was, what was your favorite card when you started playing and what's your current favorite card? And so Stan, I think you're starting to kind of lead into some fun answers. Yeah. What are your, what are your current favorite cards, Stan? What are you brewing around? Yeah, so my my favorite card when I started playing was Lightning Bolt. Easy. So elegant, so classic. Love a Lightning Bolt. Always good, except when it's not. But lately, I've been really, really drawn to Brazen Borrower. Like, full stop. I think this card is amazing. I think it's... I mean, I'm happy to have this debate now. I think the listeners will love it. I think it is 100% better than Vendillion Click. Vendillion Click is dead. I only want to play Brazen Borrower from now on. And also, I really like uh, Royal Scions. And I've been trying to brew decks that get to play a bunch of Borrowers and a bunch of Scions and figure out the shell that works best with those two cards. Dude, I don't, get, I don't get Brazen Borrower, honestly. It's like a three-mana bounce spell. Like, what am I doing with this? It's two no, mana. it's a two-mana okay, bounce well, then spell. Okay, well, a little bit better. But still, a two-mana bounce spell? It's like, what am I doing with this card? Dude, it's so <laughs> You're good. You're bouncing, and then end your bouncing. turn, you're flashing <laughs> it in. And then on your turn, you're hitting them for three. And then I'm going, is that lethal? And you go, yeah. Why do I have, why do I have five? What, what am I doing with five mana up? You don't. You very infrequently do Both in the same uh, turn. play it all at once. That's the beauty I mean, of the installments. Nothing yeah. has ever gone wrong by taking out a loan and paying it back in installments. Like I, I, I do agree with Stan that it's that it's it's super good and I've I've enjoyed it way more than Vendillion Quick Click in most of the decks that I've been playing and it's a house in Pioneer, like in Blue White Flash when you have four borrowers, four spell quellers, you know it's it's a, there's a lot going on there. Yeah, I have that deck ready to play at the at LGS soon, and I think I might learn if I like Brazen Bower, Bower or not in that shell, for sure. Do you own four borrowers already? Duh, I bought those low, man. That card <sighs> only has upside. I want to stay on this for a minute. So Stan and I both love Brazen Bower, and I, I don't have a playset. Do you have a playset yet, Stan? Uh, I, I sure do. 
I didn't finish mine yet. And Shane's like, I bought this blue card because I know it only has upside, but I also don't know why it's good. Huh. This is a weird, weird thing you do. I, 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 I'm an investor. Mm. Buy low, sell high. Sometimes reverse. Adjust monocle, check pocket watch. Pulls on suspenders. <laughs> yeah. Do no, not so, pass go. Zach, Zach, what, what, what was your favorite card when you started playing? What's your current favorite card? What are you building around? I haven't told this before, and I think you're not going to believe me, but my favorite card when I started playing was Shock because I did not have access to Lightning Bolts, and I thought that two damage for one, what? That was a very good rate. That's a very good rate. Uh, clearly, that is no longer the case, and Bolt is now a very cool card. But currently, my favorite card is absolutely Bone Crusher Giant. I love a Bone Crusher Giant. I love and it also has a really bad shock. <laughs> a little bit of relation there. But I love the idea of this giant starts an adventure by stomping on something. So I, I keep retelling it. My giant stomped on a crab and then went on an adventure. The beginning of the adventure was to crush a crab underfoot, and then they had fun. Then they came back and they won me a game. I, I love that it's a two and a three curve where you can get something on your opponent's end step and cast it on your turn. I love how it's a little bit of a prison thing where it punches your opponent for target it even. It really hits mm-hmm. all the spots for me, and I just love it so much. Zach, yes. can I just tell you, this deck I'm holding in my hands right now, this Brazen Borrower, Royal Scions deck that I've been working on and trying to develop, two Ooh, Bone Crusher Giant in it currently... <clears throat> I'd play more. I just don't own. Seems more. like a real fast deck you got there, Stan. Is it? <laughs> I'm working. Is on it, it a modern or pioneer that you're trying to do this, or is it? Oh, is it, or modern. is it Throne of Eldraine block constructed? Dave, number one, how dare you? Number two, it has. We had eight people at Dice Dojo last Wednesday. I'll have you know, eight eight people for Throne of Eldraine block constructed. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I mean, it's a pretty apt joke. The deck also has <laughs> Mystic Sanctuaries, like. Kind of the my joke. It all together, but yeah, that's leave reviews podcast. for my jokes with such glowing praise as surprisingly apt. Dave, I'm really actually curious. You you were playing a higher level of Magic than I was back in the day. You were playing with way better cards, and you had actual strategy under your belt. Like, what what was your favorite card when you were playing back in the mid '90s? There's a there's a lot of them. I think it's probably it's got to be Counterspell. Sure, for sure, monster. I mean, my my second answer is probably, and just because it's a little bit more spicy, would be a demonic tutor. <laughs> would be one of my favorites. My favorite card is whatever card I want. Yes, I love that. <laughs> when I was playing, I wish for <laughs> you know what fair. Wishes. There's no rule against that yet. Dot card. Yeah, definitely that that card blew my mind when I was a kid. The first time that I I got it out of a revised pack, and I was like, this seems really good. Can I play? four of these and the rules were like no you can only play one and i was like but why this seems so sweet and then you pretty much realize later why i also was a big fan of mind twist hmm. originally and uh weirdly uh my favorite card for of the bad card zone like cards that i thought could be good but were really bad before i really understood magic is sunglasses of urza uh look that card up sometime when you have a minute filters white to red yeah yeah, it's a really terrible card, but I was fascinated by it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think my long time, like actual real deal card, is Counterspell. Currently, what about now? Still all the time. I think my current favorite card right now is probably um, Spell Queller. 
honestly. Oh, yeah. It's a good, it's a good mm. pick. Has been something that I've been really enjoying in multiple formats lately. It's not a new card, but I feel like it's definitely having a moment recently where there's there's a number of different shells that it keeps popping up and being good. Um, Smuggler's Copter is probably close for me just in, in Pioneer. but Dave, I just love how much we have in common sometimes. Like So many of my favorite cards and cards I sleeve up are the cards you like. Zach, you and I share this too. Like no one else likes Blood Moon as much as you and I do, at least among the four of us. And I mean, maybe it's kind of like the three of us like similar cards, and then Shane likes weird stuff. <laughs> Shane, I'm a human. And Shane <laughs> likes cold, hard like, value. I like humans, and I like Tron. <laughs> so here's a weird card. Okay, so my favorite card when I started playing was Frozen Shade. Because yeah. I had no idea what I was doing. And this isn't even because of like people didn't understand that it meant till end of turn. Like if you read the text on Frozen Shade, it doesn't say till end of turn. So people thought I just added like power and toughness. Mm, we had a lot your... of arguments about that when I was a teenager for sure. I think that wasn't even the reason. I just thought it was cool. Like I was just like, Oh, I can pump this thing up with black mana. Like I'm gonna I built entire decks like around Frozen Shade and they were really bad. Um and I only played for like three months and then stopped for 14 years. But <laughs> anyway, but so, but my current, my current favorite card, you might be surprised by this. All right. My current favorite card, this is based on its power in Pioneer, is Questing Beast. What? Mm. Okay. okay. Wow. I, mean, I was thinking about like what what card am I most excited to cast right now? The big beast besides, lobby got to you before the episode. Hand you a besides big bag Goblin Rabble Master. I mean, Zach and I do align in our love for turn two Gallon Rebel Masters, True. which I cannot wait to be casting again. Questing Beast is just a house. It has so much text. It's like in five-point font because it has like a million lines of rule text. It does so many different things. It gets Planeswalkers off the board right now, which are really annoying in Pioneer. And I think it's just a dope card with really weird art. I've been trying to buy a box of Throne of Eldraine recently just to, like, crack one for fun because I'm just thinking about all the cool cards that I could get out of it that I don't have yet. And Questing Beast is definitely one that I'm like, I don't know if I would ever go buy one, but I would be stoked to open one in a pack and start building some green decks. And it's good. Dave, they're 50 cents. Questing Beast? Questing Beast? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm thinking Love Strike Beast. <laughs> I think Questing Beast is like $30 it's like, it's like, or something. It's like, it's like $20.50. Yeah. <clears throat> Stan points to an enormous pile of Love Strike Beast in the corner. Dave, I'm using it as bedding. Why aren't you buying these? I could use a few Love Struck Beasts if you those are those are starting to pop off too. That's a cool card. So I think since we're already walking down memory lane, I think we should go on to the question that we got from a Twitter friend at Hamburg to Honey. A bunch who, of people asked this, though. Several people? Okay. Who asked, how did each of you start playing Magic? I think we, we've told this story a couple of different times, maybe in pieces apart, so maybe each of us could give the kind of synopsis version of where and how it all began. I feel like I started playing Magic most recently. You're probably right sure. about that. Yeah, what, what drew you to the game? So I played a little bit as like a 13-year-old when a buddy of mine at school gave me a pile of cards. Um, and I tried playing with like the neighborhood kids. Uh, I was bullied by some like magic spikes in the cafeteria and I never played again. And then years later I had finished college. I was working a day job. So I had income, very important to be a magic player is, is to have income. And it was like 
a lazy Sunday with a buddy of mine. We were just like sitting on the couch, probably like enjoying some adult beverages. And we decided to walk over to the comic book store that's like down the street, G-Mart in Chicago. And we were like, let's go to the comic shop and buy some magic decks. Let's play some magic. So we walked to G-Mart and we bought Theros pre-constructed decks. Yeah. And I got this black-white enchantment deck. Um and uh i started like building on that it snowballed i drafted that snowballed standard snowballed then i like basically met you guys and started playing modern from there the usual story yeah zach uh yeah zach so i've been playing magic since i was 12 years old which was 15 years ago so i've been playing magic that is, 15... that's that's before the uh suggested age range my friend I, well mm. i've always been a bit of an accelerated reader if you know what i mean but basically i was very into lord of the rings and i was mostly very into looking at maps of lord of the rings in middle earth and going cool fun so i found out there's a way you can do that more often which is called dungeons and dragons but I was too young to purchase anything or know how to play. But there was a character maker on the D&D website where you could answer a bunch of questions and figure out what sort of race and class you were. So I would do this nonstop while I got computer time in class. And then That's one amazing. time there was a little <laughs> banner ad on there for magic. So I went, what's going on with that? I'm going to click wow. that. And I went, oh, my God, what is this game? This is all I've ever wanted to play. Man, that ROI was really good on you. You got retargeted into playing magic? Because I was obsessively running a D&D character creator when I was 12. Yes, this is amazing. Correct. Zach, as someone who works in media, thank you for the click-through rate. <laughs> yeah, of course. Exactly. Of course. <laughs> but yeah. And the, like, the ROAS on that ad is skyrocketing just from Zach by himself. I, I don't want to talk about how much money I spent on both Dungeons & Dragons and Magic the Gathering, but Wizards has taken my life from me. Moving on. I really, from there, like a friend of my aunt's uh, was quitting magic and i got a whole bunch of like tempest and vision commons out of it like for free and that changed my life because when you get a box of bulk when you're 12 anything is possible and the sky is the limit so i got into magic because i wanted to play dungeons and dragons but was 12 and couldn't so did what i did instead which is play magic love it did you ever take any breaks yeah um i i think i mentioned before i moved around a lot as a kid my dad's in the military so we've had a lot of transitions so anytime i would leave somewhere i'd take probably a six month break as i got acclimated and met people and moved on so my biggest break was a year when lauren came out i stopped playing for a year then as i didn't really know anybody but then i got really heavily invested back in zendikar and i've been playing pretty seriously since then original zendikar word original zendikar when you were 17 18 a years senior old? in high school yeah Wow. So for me, for some reason, when I was like, I don't know, like 13, 14, 15 years old, I like liked hanging out at this card shop in the downtown of uh, where the town that Dave and I grew up in. in, (gasps) Rookie Grand Slam. Yeah, Rookie Grand Slam hung out there. I don't know why. I was really (laughs) into like I I, I bought a lot of hockey cards. Yeah, buddy. I they had like some comic books at some point. I kind of helped out around the shop because I think the dude just wanted to like give me something to do and like pay me a little bit. I, I don't really know why I was there. I think I just wanted some place to hang out. And it was like by the library. I go to the library, do something there. Mm-hmm. And 
I think in 95 is when people started playing Magic the Gathering there and they were selling like Ice Age and Fourth Edition and stuff like that. And I just sort of picked it up and a couple people I knew from my high school played there. And I only played for like a summer, like summer of 95, I think is when I, I did. And then I was like, eh, I don't really see myself playing this for long. And then I sold my cards to one of the you know kids who played there. And I didn't play again until I moved back to Chicago and Dave was living there. And I made the fateful decision to get into magic, as I've said before. And I was like, yeah. I told my, my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, I think I want, really want to get into magic. Yeah. And I had gotten Shane to come over to my house a couple of times to do like yeah, box sealed. sealed where I would be like, here's six packs of Innistrad. Let's make some decks and play. So I remember we cracked this box of Innistrad and like one of our decks had a Snapcaster Mage and another one had Liliana the Veil in it and all this stuff. And I was just like, yeah, at any rate, it's a little different for me, but that's that was how Shane and I started playing a little bit in our 30s, essentially. <laughs> Oh yeah, and you—I mean, you've been playing a lot of Magic online and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. Should I give my? Yeah, what's your origin story? Uh, so I started playing at Revised, and I'm pretty sure that we, uh, my friend Jonathan and I, I think that Jonathan discovered what it was by find, seeing a print ad in Dragon Magazine for some reason, which was like the Dungeons and Dragons magazine. There are two magazines. There is Dungeon and Dragon. Dungeon yeah. was geared towards no. DMs and Dragon towards players. Yeah. So we had a we had an edition of Dragon magazine and there was just a print ad for it. We ended up walking down to the hobby shop that was near his house and just being kind of like, let's see if we can get some of this stuff. And they had some packs of revised and we bought a bunch of starter decks and just started playing. Was that Wings? Like was Yeah, it was Wings, a, Wings oh Hobby gosh. Shop on Detroit in on Detroit, right? Yeah, in Detroit, yeah. In uh, in Lakewood, Ohio. I used to go there constantly to look at the D&D books. Yeah, and so I think we were at a phase where we were playing a little bit of D&D or thinking about playing a little bit of D&D. And As then, one does when they want to play D&D. Yeah, you're thinking about it a lot. And then we just got those instead and just ended up playing Magic all the time. And it kind of took off in a wild way from there. So I, I don't know if I've mentioned it straight up on the podcast before. Maybe I have. But so this same summer... I bought it was during the summer. I bought a bunch of packs of revised starter decks, boosters, all kinds of stuff. Just spending like all of my money. My dad was involved in like uh, we we did baseball card shows a lot at this time. So I would go to baseball card shows like every weekend. And the the guys at the card shows started selling magic at their booths. I started showing it to my dad. My dad was kind of like, I'm not interested. I don't really want to do it. And then one night my dad was kind of like, okay, teach me how to play. My dad loves games. And so when I was a kid, he taught me how to play a lot of games. So we play a lot of games together and he got super, super into magic and <laughs> actually ended up. So we had an LGS, uh, in Cleveland for a long time called Compendium Collectibles that started out as kind of like a baseball card shop slash magic shop and then was basically just a magic shop. When you say we, you mean your family. My father did, really. Yeah, and I worked at it through high school. Um, it basically opened when I was like a junior in high school and then went from there for almost uh, 10... I think it was open for about 10 years. <clears throat> and yeah, we... Um, that was just what it was, and I played there, played a lot of tournaments, played in some early tournaments. I went to nationals one year when I was a teenager, not to compete, Ooh. but to try to, like, grind into the tournament. Mm. Um, you know, so I went to, like, big events when I was 17, 18 years old towards the end, uh, towards, like, the middle of the 90s, like, 1996, 1997. Uh, Dave, 
uh, I don't know if this fits where you played. There was a period of time where I was playing Magic but was too young where they had sort of like a scholarship series or like a young person series. Where like yeah. They had like cool promos for that, encouraged kids to come yeah. through. Yeah, the JSS. So Okay, so did you – were you guys, you and Shane, or were you too aware of this or played in this? Because this is right – Oh, no. I, I'm too young for it at this time. So I was too old ah, for the JSS, right the basically. Gotcha. Maybe, maybe for a year. My dad actually became one of Wizards' TOs, though, and was oh. like actually a de- decently big TO in. And I don't remember exactly what terminology, like what he had, but he was running big PTQs, uh, bigger tournaments from Wizards. He had a direct distri- distribution line with them, and like all kinds of stuff. And then at some point, they changed their TO system and took away the ability to run big events from lots of people. And that was kind of like where he he stopped doing it as much. But yeah, he used to run some of the original like big few hundred person Magic tournaments up in Cleveland. Wow, moment in time. Yeah, it really was. Um, yeah, which is part of the reason that I make jokes a lot about like random alpha commons because I have some of the stock left over from the, <laughs> just, the store, basically. Which is like a display of like what like orcish Orflame and raging goblin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I just have a box that's like I have like you know fifty or so like alpha commons that are just like these weird random things. Sure. But, and then I quit from two thousand and one until uh, Zendikar, basically, and then did limited basically from Zendikar until uh, Battle for Zendikar, essentially, I guess. And then that's when I started getting more into modern from there. So you're a real Z to Z kind of guy. Yeah, Z to Z. My favorite part about this whole little segment and story was that uh, Dave was basically like the gateway to Shane. And like Dave was like that old guy at school who was like, hey, man, you want to come over? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. He has a goatee and a Corvette. Have a couple beers. <laughs> My dad says they're kind of warm, but they should be fine. Yeah. <laughs> Next question comes from our patron, Judson, who asks, what do you guys do outside of magic for fun? When you need a break from magic, how do you decompress? Man, there's so many things, so many things to do. And then I, when I when put on the spot, I'm like, I like stuff. Shane, uh, <laughs> you're a big sneakerhead. Is that correct? No, that's you. I mean, I did I, for for a little while. I was pretty into like salvage denim and like cool shoes. Wait, but now I've had I'm the sorry. same pair of jeans for like. Um, I'm so sorry. Doesn't the word salvage mean from a shipwreck? No, no, salvage, salvage, mm, salvage. So this this denim, this Levi was worn by the captain of the Titanic. I'll have you know. Well, you you I thought you're like a streetwear kid. No, you know that's, I, I keep telling you that's not true, and you keep insisting that it is. <laughs> I also just called you a kid, which is funny. I'm 27, and that is not a legal voting age where I live. So, yeah. So anyway, um, yeah. So I do like to get out with uh, my wife and I, and now her, you know, her extended family are here, my true, so we can get outside hiking. Uh, I like climbing at the climbing gym. Climbing with my buddies is sweet. You know, try to get out, do some car camping, do some backpacking. All that stuff is just so easy to do here versus when I lived in Chicago that it's really appealing and nice. Um, but besides that, I mean, just like anybody, I like TV. I like watching stuff like Bake Off. I like watching British crime procedurals, Top Chef. Oh, Doctor Who, for uh, sure, for sure. No, no, no. He has a vibrating screwdriver. He's not a real cop. Mm, I heard you were a Who-head. Whovian? He's an alien. Whovian. Whovian. I mean, I spend a lot of time reading about Whoville with my kids. 
But yeah. that's a di- that's a whole different Shane thing. Shane, you're, you're a family man. Shane is Doctor Seuss. We can talk about this later. Doctor Seuss. Does that actually does that let you decompress though, Dave? Like, what's oh, your decompression outlet? I don't have one. Yeah, you're you're always compressed. No, it's right? cracking it's packs. Be magic, it's buying right? boxes at L Drain and then sneaking them in the back door and then pouring yourself a little bit out of your hopsy or whatever it's called and then cracking them ever so slowly. <laughs> a bit is this your decompression podcasting with us? I think it actually is. Aww. Yeah, this is this is my other. This is God. I'm sorry for how stressful <laughs> this is for you. Then. I really just kind of like, yeah. Don't don't have a lot of time these days. And so, Dave's like Dave's like Mark Ruffalo. He's always angry. <laughs> that's, that's not what I learned. You from know Matt. what I think Dave loves to do. He's always compressed. And Dave, I I say this with love, like. You're a great person to just philosophize with and and like you're the type of person who likes to sit with like a glass of beer or water and just like have yes. conversations with. And and some people's are more introverted than that. Some people's don't enjoy that. And I think that's something yeah, you like. Yeah, that's true. To do. I mean, I like to get together with friends and have a couple beers and just like chat. It's not really a hobby, right? That's just sort of like being an active member of a community. Well, in some I mean, ways, don't, but... don't you host for a lot of them now? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you like hosting and you like creating a good environment and fostering good discussion. Like, yeah. I, I wouldn't really, you know, downplay the fact that you do like creating a good environment for people and want people to feel safe and welcome when they're around you. Yeah. And, like, I think your hobby is having the people around you be happy. Or not your hobby, but your outlet, maybe. That's probably true. I think that's a good a good point, Def- especially when I'm kind of like, I don't know what I do for fun. Mostly what I do for fun is hang out with people who don't play Magic or even hang out with you guys and talk about things that are not Magic related. Sure. You know, although we always end up mixing a little bit. Business and pleasure. Um, yeah, exactly. I mean, I have a lot of fun, you know, hanging out with my kids and playing and with my family and stuff. But that takes up a lot of time, especially at the age that they are um, right now. So, you know, it's a bit of a like go to work, get ready to do the podcast, do the podcast, get up, hang out with the kids and kind of like repeat kind of cycle and fitting in time for social interaction. Otherwise, I think my favorite form of media right now, truthfully, is probably podcasts True, preach. as well, because oh, yeah. I listen mm-hmm. to a ton of other podcasts, whether it's like, you know, and some of my favorites are things like um, Dubai Friday is one of my favorite ones right now with uh, a couple of people from Cards Against Humanity and Merlin Mann. Um, I really like comedy podcasts like The Flop House and My Brother, My Brother and Me. Um, there's this great podcast I've been listening to the last couple of weeks called you're wrong about that is super mm. interesting. Whoa. I we, could not get into that show. It just I, made me so depressed. I, I like that kind of stuff. I just like trying to like learn. So I guess that's my outlet outside of magic. Mostly magic is my outlet and I try to keep it really fun like that. Even when I play super badly, I try to have a good, good humor about it. Yeah. I, I've always enjoyed the radio. So, like, I'm really into NPR and, like, actively love the NPR app and actively consume news media. And maybe that explains why I like having a podcast or being on a podcast so much. But I just really enjoy listening to things. And I personally collect records. I like owning music and consuming music. That's a big thing I do to blow up steam is I, I love the collectability of it. And I love that some things are like, hey, record drop, you know, limited to 500 and Coke bottle clear coming out at Saturday at 10 a.m. Be there. And, like... Not all the time, but sometimes it can be really fun to be there waiting and clicking. Like that's sort of why I'm into like the magic drop thing coming out. Just I, I love the, I love collecting things and I love accumulating mm-hmm. rare things and having things that are like, yes, I have this and it's numbered. Look at that, five out of twenty. I have number five. It's me. I, I in general, for fun, I like to consume media and say I own rare things. 
you know, it's, I'm going back to this question. I'm rereading it. And the question, when you need a break from magic, how do you decompress? And I don't need breaks from magic. No. I would if if there mm-hmm. was an endless amount of good podcasts for me to listen to, I would listen to all of them. If there was an endless amount of good articles for me to keep reading about magic, about stuff I was interested in, and I had all the time in the world, I would keep reading them. I love this game. Shane, I totally agree. So I said things I do outside of magic for fun, but when I need a break from magic, I play other formats of magic. Like I mentioned, I was frustrated with modern, but I wasn't frustrated with magic. I love magic. So when I'm done with modern, I'm going to play Pioneer for a little bit, and then I'll go back to modern, and then I'll figure it out and maybe play Arena one day if I'm bored of both. Like, there's just so many different ways to play this game that I'm never frustrated with magic overall, or never feel like I need to stop playing magic overall. And maybe that's unique to us or me or however we this is working, but I I never am done with the game overall. 100% love magic. It's why we podcast about it. Whenever I have like 30 extra minutes, I will just play a match on MTGO. I'll, sometimes I'll just goldfish uh, or slap some cards together that I never even like play. But just like sometimes the action of like holding these cards and building a deck is kind of fun for me. I mean, outside of Magic, I do a lot of the same stuff that my co-hosts do. I, I do see a lot of movies. Um, I live, I just moved and I live down the street from like the local art house theater. So I really like cinema. Yes. I'm a bit of a cinephile. I'll watch anything that's black and white. Did you like Cold War, by the way? I loved Cold War. Oh, Cold War is a pinnacle of Polish cinema, or as we call it, kino. But we'll talk later. Yeah, so movies are a big part of my life. Like, I watch several a week. Um, I like skateboarding, too. Uh, I don't know if I've ever talked about that on the pod. I think that's something you guys know about me. Hold on. Stan, don't you, like, longboard? I do not longboard. I have cruiser wheels, but on a... Can you do a 50-50 grind? That's right. Do a 360. Do a 720. Can you do a misty flip? So, Stan, when you you do say you like skateboarding, (laughs) what do you mean? (laughs) <laughs> I mean, do you do vert? <laughs> I mean, I like skateboarding basically as my weather permitting as like my primary form of transportation. Sure. Yeah, you're always mentioning that you're getting around via skateboard, and I'm like, damn, I've seen this it guy's once. Got knee- this guy's got knees that can handle vibrations. Yeah, I mean, I, I used to bike a lot, and I still like have a bike, and I I kind of like cycling, but I just love. I like that skateboarding is a little slower than biking. I like that it's a little more low maintenance. I don't know. I just, I, there's something about it that feels youthful to me. And it's pretty punk. I mean, it's what you're saying, right? Sort of. I mean, I'm 30, year old, 30 years old now, and I'm just trying to hold on for dear life for whatever semblance of my youth that I still can. I'm still a child. I'm still a boy. Let it, let guess, it go. It's so much better guess, once you let what it happens go, is it just it, it lets itself go of you. Hmm. But yeah, I don't know. My my fondness of skateboarding is real. Um, I also play a lot of Pokemon video games. I'm really into the Pokemon RPG video well, game. There's your youth right there. I've played every mainline RPG. I have oh, really yeah. strong opinions about them. I, I guess really what I like to do to decompress is find new things to form strong opinions about. <gasps> I Stan, I feel like you really just repeated what I said in a better way. And what what I like to do is have hot takes that are unsustainable and, quite frankly, unquestionable. 
Yeah, I don't die on hills, though. I'm just like, oh, every, this is how I feel. You stand. My favorite stand quote is, this hill looks like a nice, sunny spot to die in. <laughs> and I think about that all the time. <laughs> That's funny. So Twitter user Zawubata asks us, if we could add one pre-modern card to the modern card pool, which would it be? And I'm, I'm vetoing Counterspell. Mm. Am I allowed to do that? I'll, I'll allow it. Sustained. Who has a hot take here? Does pre-modern mean it has to be 7th edition or before and I can't name commander cards? Ooh. No. I think you can name a commander card if you want to. I'm going to I'm going to add that corollary to Zwu, it. Thank you for allowing us to interpret your original idea like the founders wanted the constitution and that's all we're going to say about that. It's a it's a this question is a living document. Exactly. I think Chaos Warp is what the people want and what Zach wants and what we need. What is Chaos Warp? Okay, what is that card? If you don't deserve me at my not being able to read card text. It's it's the two in a red sorcery that basically answers any permanent. It's two in a red, you target a permanent, and they shuffle that player shuffles into their library, right? They're shuffling, you're cutting, whatever you do. They then reveal a top card of the library. Permanent, put into play. Otherwise, go ahead and leave it right there. So, a way for red to answer enchantments. I love the goofiness of it. I love the fun of it. Maybe it can add some sort of wacky modern deck to the format. But I just want mono red to be able to answer enchantments in a fine way. Plus, it's got a rhino on the arrow. That's pretty cool. Can I? Can I? I need to ask you, blue mages, a question. Okay, I'm I'm thinking about powerful cards in legacy. Zach, I love your answer, by the way. I think that's a great card. What do you all think about Brainstorm? Yes, please. I don't want to play in Modern if that has Brainstorm. Or rather, maybe I want it more because it's Chalice on one better then. If we're just if we're gonna if we're just gonna are we just gonna lean in lean into the fetch format? Yeah. You know why I would love Brainstorm? Um and, and this might be a topic for its own episode. Why Stan loves Brainstorm? And the topic is Delver of Secrets. Yeah. <gasps> You know, oh I, I would love God. Brainstorm to be legal and modern because I would love Delver of Secrets to be a better card than it currently is. And even though I kind of feel like it's having a little bit of a renaissance, or at least has had a little bit of a renaissance ever since Wizards Lightning got printed. Sure. And we still see it in 5-0 Very little bit, yeah. We, Eight bolts, pretty cool. We even see it in, like, challenge results. I think it was in the weekend's Modern Challenge in the top 32. I think that's a such a cool, fun card to play in blue-red spell decks, but it's so vulnerable to the conditions of the format, and having something that would make it easier to flip it consistently, I think, would be like exactly what that one card needs. Okay, so you like Brainstorm, Shane? <laughs> no, I'm, 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 uh, I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, I'm just wondering. Like, do you think it would be good no. for the format? No. Do you think it'd be fun? Yeah. Okay, I think it'd be bad. There's no okay. way. I don't like bad. <laughs> would it be good? Yes. Would no. be fun? No. Would we can't bad? even have yes. Ponder. What about days? No. Free spell. Are you literally. Okay. No. This is quality podcasting when you are actively typing up cards on your computer going, guys. Shane, this what, one? Car, what card? No, I mean, Top 10 what blue cards in want, modern. Shane? Shane's typing them up. Let's go. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't have like a. Pre, I don't have like a lot of like pre modern nostalgia. What? I have an answer. By any means. Stan, this card's go, for you. Please. Careful study. Dude. Oh. I chose not to say it just because I didn't want to sound too obvious. <laughs> <laughs> Stands real subtle. <laughs> of 
course. Careful Study would be amazing. Is it Phoenix would be back? I would it. I mean, it wouldn't be absurd, but I think it would be playable. Sure. It would be fantastic. And Is it Phoenix is just a clean swap for Faithless Looting. Yep. Like that deck would be back, period. So there's your card. Careful Study is what I would want to see. I've got another one that I think maybe will be surprising to y'all. I'm expecting a shocked gasp from at least one co-host. Wirewood Symbiote. Oh, jeez. I don't even know what that card does. I know what it does. It breaks open elves yeah. in a big way. And Sand goes, but it'd be fine. It's not even an elf. It's an insect. Come on. It's green for a 1-1 insect. Return elf you control to its owner's hand. Untap target creature. Play this ability only once each turn. But it's just like an ability <laughs> tack on the card. So just like. Return oh, elf. On. Return elf. <laughs> Isn't that just like straight up broken with uh, the 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 yeah. tapping elfy elf? No, it's not a big deal. It's totally fine. It doesn't lead to really ridiculous board states, and elves just needs a little. Yeah, push. no, Shane's right. It would be very good with Heritage Druid to make a ton of mana. You know, for me, it's about what that card symbolizes, which is a push for sure. this strategy. Which, like, Elves is such a beloved deck that used to be good. It used to be great in Legacy. It's probably still good in Legacy. I, I don't really keep up with the format. But I would love for something to counteract what Plague Engineer has done to these, like, small, low-to-the-ground tribes that, like, are basically non-existent because of this one black creature. Stan, I just worry that this is a bit of a quote-unquote scred problem. Where you think unbanning or bringing this card in is going to help elves, but what it does is actually allow some nonsense big mana strategy to thrive that just happens to use this and some elves together. I, I just worry that this would make elves better, but at what cost to other decks in the format? What's the cost? We we bouncing cards for free. We thought you were on the development team, Stan. We need you to know what the cost is. I mean, to me, this is just a one mana three, three elk. So I don't, and and any payoffs you get out of this is an elk. So like, listen to me, how much worse is this than what Oko is doing right now? Or how much better for that matter? I I don't (laughs) (laughs) confuse grunting. (laughs) Shane, did you find an answer for yourself yet? Or (laughs) Uh, no, I mean, I've, I've, I've given the same answer before, and it's, like, super boring. I just want Containment Priest. I think it's, like, so a good boring. safety valve. I think the art's cool. I think it looks like like a weird, like, Azorius Senate member that looks kind of like George H.W. Bush or George W. Bush, rather, in the, in the little globe. It's just cool. Well, that wraps up this bonus episode and this very fun mailbag. Thank you to everyone who submitted questions Keep submitting questions in the future. We love doing these in wind downs. We really love being kind of personal in the wind downs. It doesn't always have to be about magic. It can also be about Pokemon, but nothing else. Those two topics. I'll I'll honor questions about skateboarding or black and white polar cinema as well, but that's it. I will look at a question about Yu-Gi-Oh. I won't answer it, but I will leave it on scene. So there you have it, folks. You know a little bit more about us. We're going to wrap up this week's show. If you haven't yet, Make sure you subscribe to our podcast so you get the latest episodes, bonus or otherwise, as soon as they come out. And if you use Apple Podcasts, please leave us a rating and review. If you'd like to submit a question to the podcast or pick our brain on something in modern, you can tweet us at the dive down, all one word, or email thedivedown at gmail.com. If you'd like to support the show, you can join our Patreon 
where joining at any tier gets you access to our super secret Slack channel. Ask us questions in real time. We'll answer you. Tons of other patrons will answer you as well. <laughs> Several people are typing. You can find our <laughs> Patreon at patreon.com slash the dive down. Also, shout out to Manatraders.com for sponsoring this podcast. You too can sign up for Manatraders using promo code the dive down, all one word, and get 15% off your first three months of renting paper or magic online cards. Play more strategies, get better at magic on Manatraders.com. As always, special thanks to the bands Nowhere and Spaceblood for letting us use their music. And until next week, get out there and engage your fans!